Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is October 6th, and your Penn State Nittany Lions are 5-0 after a 35-7 win over Purdue at homecoming. My name is Chris, joined as always by my co-host, Pat. Pat, how you feeling? Uh, pretty hungover, but overall pretty happy about the win. Frustrating at times, but overall happy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, also hungover, so... Uh, I don't think I've actually announced this in the podcast yet, but uh, for those listeners who have listened to us for a while, you know that Pat and I are both in L.A. Uh, that is going to change. I am moving back to New York on Friday. Um, so we had a little going away shindig last night, celebrated uh, my last weekend here in L.A. And uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to take this podcast and we're going we're gonna to do a long distance relationship. Pat, are you, are you willing to make this work? I am. Uh, I think it's going to work better than my previous long distance relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's, I've told some friends this. Like, we both live in LA, but we've been doing these podcasts remotely anyway because, like, we live ten miles away, which in LA can be like forty-five minute traffic. So, yeah. I think like we'll if, if you moved to New York and I lived in Hoboken, yeah, basically. So, <laughs> uh, you guys will still be getting all the same content. Nothing will change. Um, we're going to continue doing everything we're doing. Um, but for this episode, yeah, it was a it was a win. Um, There's some mixed feelings. I'm not going to be super negative like I was about Pitt because overall, thirty-five-seven, a lot of good things to be happy about. Um, but we'll get into some of the others later on. So let's start, uh, as always, with some quick hitters. Um, not a ton of news this week, but some. Uh, so today, AP poll drops. We jump into number 10. So back in the top 10 in the nation, we jump over Texas and Auburn. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it makes sense. You know, both teams with a loss. Uh, Texas didn't look great against West Virginia, who's not that great. Um, you know, you pair those two things. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm good with it. Um, I, I was a little surprised, honestly. Um, and like we've mentioned, you know, AP is is not the governing body anymore. It's the the CFP rankings when they start coming out. But I was a little surprised just because, you know, Texas Texas did win, right? So like it wasn't like you know, it wasn't a, a, a catalyst to be like, oh, they lost. Now's the time to jump them. Like I don't know why it made sense this week. Um, and Auburn, I didn't. I honestly wasn't sure if they'd drop as far. So I'm happy with it. It's a good sign of things to come. Um, but yeah, uh, we move up to number 10 for this game, uh, 35-7, a lot of gambling implications on a 35-7 to victory. A lot of people had Penn State minus 28 and a half, you and I included on our season-long bets here, yep. and uh, let's do the math real quick, 35 minus 7 is what? 28. 28, you lose by half a point, you hate to see that. Uh, and the total goes under. So a lot of us had the over 56 as well. Total goes under. Um, you are now 6-4 and four on your season bets. I am 4-6. and six. So the competition stays pretty flat. Obviously nothing changes. We both have the same picks. Um, but we still need to figure out what our punishment slash reward is. So for those of you that are listening, please let us know what your ideas are. Um, other quick hitters, the HBO doc. So HBO is on, on campus this week filming uh, Purdue Week, Homecoming Week. That airs Wednesday uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern. So I'm pretty pumped to watch it. I think, uh, you know, we talked last week about how Franklin approached it and how he said he didn't really think a lot of things changed. But I think it'll be definitely a different product than we've seen from a lot of the internal, you know, um, documentaries and weekly videos that they put out. What are you, uh, what are you hoping for or, or maybe expecting from the HBO doc? Yeah, I mean it's it's not the your usual like local press. It's fucking HBO, dude. It's yeah. pretty it's legit stuff. Like these guys go to NFL training camps and tape them. Like I'm I'm excited to see a you know an, a real inside look at it. 
Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think it'll be cool to see some of the personalities on display, like we've talked about. But I think it'll be um, I think it'll be interesting to see if we get anything that you know Franklin typically holds close to the best. Like I don't think they'll let slip like what the Justin Shorter injury is and then tell us what's happening there. But like it would be cool if you see some of that happening. So yeah, Wednesday, 10 p.m. Uh, definitely going to be checking that one out. Also, just excited for our guys to get other eyeballs on them. You know, mm-hmm. nationally, people who aren't paying that much attention to Penn State normally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, you know, KJ Hamler, Micah Parsons, these guys are household names for us, um, starting to be around the country, right? Starting to get that national yeah. recognition. But yeah, this uh, I agree. That's a really good point. Uh, all right, next up, um, we talked about this on our preview from last week. Keandre Lambert, four-star wide receiver. Uh, we talked about how his commitment was coming up on Friday. He did, in fact, pick Penn State. Um, which was a given, not a surprise, but a huge get. Uh, really, really talented receiver. This is a kid that can come in, um, contribute right away. Uh, you know, um, he is uh, the number three uh, ranked prospect in Virginia. Uh, so there was actually a cool tweet from Tyler Donahue, who works on twenty four seven Sports, about recruiting in Virginia. For the last four years, we've had at least one top five player from the state of Virginia. So you go back to twenty seventeen, Vitor Gross Matos, number five. Just crazy how good he is, and he was the number five player in Virginia. <laughs> I looked yeah. it. I looked it up. The four ahead of him, I don't know any of them. So it's funny how that works out. Uh, Twenty eighteen, Ricky Slade was number one. Nana Asadu was number three. Uh, so nice, nice haul there. Obviously, Nana had to medically retire, but Ricky still, uh, still jury is out there. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, last year, Brandon Smith was number one, <coughs> Ford was number two, and Hakeem Beeman was number four. Uh, really nice haul from the state of Virginia. And then this year, uh, Lambert checks in at number three. So, uh, yeah, just kind of a cool factoid there about the state of Virginia. Uh, and then lastly, uh, for quick hitters, this win uh, for Penn State over Purdue is Coach James Franklin's 50th victory as Penn State head coach in his sixth year. Um, second fastest coach ever to get to 50 at Penn State. Uh, do you know who the first fastest was? This is a real, real tough question. Um, Joe Paterno? That's the answer, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, Joe did it in 61 games. So this is Franklin's, I don't know how many games, I didn't look it up, but pretty good. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's the quick hitter. It's kind of a slow news week for things just in the program in general. So let's pivot jump right into our awards as we always do we will start with our big 10 baller and big 10 bozo of the week uh, and then jump into our penn state lion and lamb so i think i went first last week so pat i will let you go first this week who you got for your big 10 baller hold on uh my big 10 baller i hate giving it to this guy again but i gotta give it to jonathan taylor he's unreal he's unreal yeah it's I, I feel like we got to disqualify him after this week, but he put up like 187 yards, four touchdowns. It's it's just, I mean, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he has been unbelievable this season. I think he's been the best player in college. Yeah, he's making a real a real run at the Heisman. Obviously, we know that running backs are rare to win the Heisman. Um, but yeah, almost 200 yards on the ground, four touchdowns, and he had a receiving touchdown. So five total touchdowns in this game. Um, I mean, the kid is just a stud. Sure, it's Kent State that they played, but he's showing week in, week out that he is the real deal. Um, and he is going to be a very serious Heisman contender. And I'm pretty sure he's a true junior. So look at him at, at you know the top of those NFL big boards come uh, early next year. 
Yeah, it's a great pick. Um, as I looked through, it was Jonathan Taylor, it was Justin Fields, it was J.K. Dobbins, the usual suspects. Um, so I went a little bit different. Um, I actually went Javon Leak from Maryland. Uh, take this for a grain of salt. They did play Rutgers, um, but he had a 100-yard kick return for a touchdown, which was really, really cool highlight. Um, and he only had five carries, but they went for 65 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, we, we shut them down pretty hard in the running game. Uh, they do a bit of a committee with McFarland and Leak. Um, so for him, you know, uh, McFarland had two touchdowns as well. So for Leak, having the two touchdowns on only five carries plus the 100-yard kick return for a touchdown, you are my Big Ten baller of the week. Hell yeah. All right, who's your bozo? There's a couple candidates, I think. A couple candidates. There's one I'm going one. with. Nate Stanley. Damn it, I, was, I wanted to take him. <laughs> I can... Through three interceptions, uh, Michigan's offense looked pretty inept throughout the game. Like, all Nate Stanley had to do was play okay, mm-hmm. and Iowa wins this football game. You got a, a Michigan team that hasn't looked good. They got torched by Wisconsin last week. They come in, and they're de- admittedly, Michigan's defense played really well. Yeah. But, like, their offense is still pretty fucking lame duck and just couldn't take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, it was, what, 10-3 was the final? Um, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he was my answer as well. Uh, he's the obvious one. Three interceptions, also negative sixty-five rushing yards for Nate Stanley. That's how much he racked up in yeah. sacks. Um, I think there. I think that balanced out the team total to one yard, which Harbaugh was super excited about. Um, yeah, Nate Stanley, you're a bozo, dude. I mean, that's that, it. Pisses me off because again, that's a game that I think Iowa could have and should have won. Like, yes, Michigan looked better. But I think it was definitely a game that that could have put them in their place. Iowa wins that, and Michigan becomes an afterthought. Um, so yeah, Nate Stanley, you're a bozo. Uh, my bozo, not nearly as cool, um, but it's Northwestern. Um, they lose to Nebraska. They fall to one and four. Their QB, uh, Aiden Smith, went 19 for 32, 136 yards and one interception, no touchdowns. Um, it's just kind of sad, you know. Northwestern is, you know, we've talked about this before. Really love Pat Fitzgerald. They're a program that, like, has always kind of been around. Um, they beat us a couple of years early on in, in Franklin. They've had some good seasons, man. Yeah, and they're just they're just really really faltering. So this is this is almost like a sympathy bozo. Like I don't want to give it to you, but man, and Nebraska sneakily has become not good, but they're four and two. So like they were off to a rough start, and they've turned some things. Um, but still, they lost. I think it was thirteen ten, fourteen ten. It was a close game. Northwestern, you got it. You got to be able to win though. So um, I feel bad for you, but you're a bozo. All right, uh, let's jump into the game recap. Uh, so, like I said, there is a lot to love about this game. Thirty-five to seven. Could it have been sixty something to seven? Could it have been sixty something to zero? Sure, but it's a win. It's a really good win, and we're going to start with the best part of this win, and that is our defense. Absolutely unreal game from the defense. Um, lots to talk through. Let's start with the D-line. Obviously, that's the highlight of this game. Your thoughts on this D-line dominance? Yeah, I'm all in on Penn State's defense this season. Um, by far the best, you know, showing from the defensive line today. They've been, I, I wouldn't say, like, underperforming, but, like, we had this crazy expectation of this D-line coming into the year. They hadn't quite lived up to the hype yet. But, man, did they show up. For Purdue, I mean, just an absolute dominance. They couldn't go anywhere on the ground. Sacks left and right. It was really, and the defense as a whole, just 
tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. So we look at the the D line. Uh, they had ten sacks in a game, which is one shy of the school record. We had eleven sacks in a game back in I don't know eighty something, ninety something. I think I think maybe nineteen ninety nine against Illinois. I looked it up earlier. Um, yeah, ten sacks. Shaka Tony gets three. He looked absolutely incredible. Our guy Yutor Gross Matos gets two. Jason Oa, Micah Parsons. Lamont Wade and Fred Hansard all with one, and then Rob Windsor and Antonio Shelton combined, they get half one each. Um, yeah, it's just, it's super, super impressive. Like you said, it's it's not underperforming at all because they've been, they've been playing really well all year, but maybe just like we haven't, maybe we haven't seen the, like the numbers as much. And like we are, like we're up there in, in sacks for uh, rankings in the country, but still it, it felt like maybe we could have been doing more against lesser teams. Um, so to see them come alive and just, absolutely swarm to the ball that was one of my favorite things it's like anytime someone got a sack even if like the one first person was in there there were two or three other guys like swarming in just flocking to the quarterback um so you mentioned before we shut down the run uh i was i made a little snarky comment there about jim harbaugh being happy about holding um holding uh iowa to one rushing yard we held Purdue to negative 19 rushing yards. Very similar uh, where the quarterback had negative 60-something yards just from all the sacks. Um, so, yeah, they finished with negative 19, which is just really comical. Like, I, I'm not going to – you can't give a bo- – like, these are the rules of the podcast. You can't give a bozo to someone in the game that we're playing, but Purdue, you guys are bozos. <laughs> um, yeah, so we only allowed, line at least. Yeah, only allowed seven points, so we retain our spot as uh, second in the country in scoring defense, allowing only 7.4 points per game, which is super impressive. I don't care who you play, that's impressive. Uh, Wisconsin is at first. They are allowing 5.8, which is also super impressive. Um, let's see, what else on this defense? Let up 123 passing yards, great. Uh, two forced fumbles, one of those was recovered. No interceptions, but five five passes defended, deflected, whatever that acronym is these days. Um, but yeah, it was just it was an all around dominant performance. Like the one touchdown um, came after the interception, I believe uh, that Clifford threw, uh, and it was on true freshman Joey Porter Jr. Just didn't play the ball well. Um, you know, kind of got turned around. Didn't make yeah, a great it, play. It happens. He was in decent coverage too. Like he was in terms of you know being where you wanted to be. Yeah, but yeah, he, yeah, he just he didn't wasn't looking for the ball. Yeah, I mean he was running with the guy. It was a back shoulder throw where it needed to be, and he didn't make the adjustment. It happens. Like I'm not gonna. It was a freshman mistake. I'm not gonna lose sleep over that. Like would it would have been cool to keep the shutout? Sure. Do I care that much? Not really. Um, a couple of stats here from Chris Peterson. Um, uh, she actually just got promoted. I forget what it's to. It's like athletic director for strategic uh it's like assistant athletic director for strategic marketing or something like that i don't know she's awesome every game if you guys aren't following her she tweets out um like stats and tidbits of like people who have you know reached certain milestones and different kind of things so a couple of fun ones um that i pulled for today uh so the negative 19 rushing yards are the fewest allowed by penn state in a big 10 game uh, the previous low is negative 12 against Purdue in 1998, so that's pretty funny. Same team. Um, also, negative 19 is the fifth fewest rushing yards allowed by Penn State since 1947, which that actually kind of surprises me that there's been four other times that we've held teams to negative yards. Like, that seems like it's something that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, Those have yeah. to be, like, FCS teams. Yeah, exactly, right? And four times in 
80 something years, sure. It's, it's rare. Also, why do you start in 47? What were we just racking up negative yard games in 47? Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. That's the stat. Maybe. Yeah, like 1946, we went on this epic run where every game was negative, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll ask about that one. Um, the 10 sacks, yeah, was, uh, I have the stat here, 1999, we had 11 against Illinois. So that's incredible. Um, 10 sacks are tied for most in the FBS in a single game this season. So I guess there are at least one other team that's done it. I couldn't find who it was, but I'm going to pretend no one has and just think that we're really cool. Um, and let's see, the negative 19 yards, uh, also the second lowest allowed in an FBS game this season, trailing the negative 73 that Michigan State held Tulsa to. What? Oh, my God. That's insane. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was an all-around really, really good performance. Um, like I said, the D-line is absolutely the story. Uh, I tweeted out there is one look that they went with that I think is just absolutely incredible. Uh, it's Shaka on the outside, on one side. They slide Yitor inside. Micah comes up, standing up on the line, and then Jason Owe on the other side. I mean, that is just a murderer's row of pass rushers. Yeah. Uh, so we tweeted I liked, out, uh, we, tweeted out oh. we need a name, right? We need a name for this. And I, I wasn't feeling very creative in the moment. Um, do you have any good ideas for this one? I, I actually, I, one of our followers sent in my favorite one. Yeah, 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 he did. It's, uh, so I, I, I was thinking of just, like, I was like, thinking murderer's row, thinking Death Star. Like, what, what, what could we call this, like, best of best lineup? And I'm, I'm kind of pissed I missed this one because it's kind of obvious now that he it said is, it. It's good. Uh, but one of our followers, I'll pull it up. I actually don't have it up right now. Sorry to this guy. Um, but he tweeted in, Mount Rushmore. Yep. I love Get it. it. Get it? Like rushing the it's quarterback. Perfect. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Um, and like I said, I'm kind Not of to mention there's four people on Mount Rushmore, four guys on the line. Yep. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. So as I look this up to give this guy a shout out, um, I really like that look. Um, shout out to Jamie Thompson. Follow him if you'd like, Jamie Thompson. Um, I really like this look, and I really like just kind of what we're doing with the rotations, with the different coverages, with the different looks, with the different blitzes. Like you're letting Micah in there. Lamont Wade blitzed one. Garrett Taylor was in blitzing one. Brent Pry, I mean, I think he's been so consistent over his tenure um, with Penn State. Like there have been weeks here and there that I've been frustrated, I think, I think last year I actually gave him our, our lamb for one week. Um, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. Now that I say that, crap, guys, this is, this is a bad episode. I'm sorry. I skipped right over the line in the lamb. You can do it right now. This is what happens when you're hungover and you try to podcast. Um, but anyway, let me finish that thought. Brent Pry, I think, has been so consistent of churning out really, really good defenses. Um, and this team, as fast as we are, as talented as we are, as young as we are, I think is just firing on all cylinders. And I think... I think you're going to see a lot of really good things from this defense this year. Okay, so um, reverse order. Maybe I'll edit this. Maybe I'll put it up front. Or maybe I'll just be truthful to you guys and let it happen here. We'll <laughs> see. Let's start with the lion and the lamb. Same thing. I went first last week, so you will go first. Lion is the MVP of the game. Lamb is the LVP. Pat, who is your lion of the week? Got to go with Shaka Tony, man. Yeah. Had a massive game. Four solo tackles, three of them for loss, and three sacks. I mean, that's a crazy good game for defensive linemen. Yeah. He was everywhere, man. He was murdering Purdue. I loved it. Yeah, he had a great game. And that fourth tackle was, uh, I think he stopped the running back like right at the line of scrimmage. So it wasn't technically a tackle for loss, but still incredible. Um, 
yeah, I mean, he, he was the story of this game. I think what I loved about his performance, and this is kind of the, the storyline about him in general, is when he came in, his scouting report was he is a speed rusher. He's going to beat you with speed, and that's his specialty. So he was kind of situational. They would bring him in as just a pass rushing specialist. He wasn't a full D end. This game and, and this season, he's bulked up. He's gotten stronger. He's worked on his moves. Um, he actually, I think, he, he tweets a lot with uh, Dion Barnes, former Penn State DN, who is now a coach. Um, he tweets a lot that they've worked together. He has like taken his game to the next level so much. Um, one of his sacks was an incredible speed rush where the jump he got on the ball was insane. He was in the backfield before the tackle even moved. Incredible. Um, but then one of the other ones is where he just overpowers the tackle, cuts inside, and power rushes him. It's like the guy's becoming a full all-around complete D-end, and I think he's a weapon that we've hoped would come together, and now it's finally happening. Um, you remember last year he had the, what was it, Indiana game, four sacks? Um, I think this I think this is not an anomaly. Like, sure, he's not going to get three sacks every game, but I think you're going to see this level of play from him for the rest of the season. And I believe in our season preview, I, I predicted that he would lead our team in sacks. Ooh, okay. I am going to take your word for that because I don't remember, but... It's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. Um, I think Utar is Utar still leading right now. I think. Um, I think Utar might be leading, but either way, pretty good. Pretty good prediction. All right. So my lion, uh, I had Shaka. Obviously, um, I mean, there's a couple of guys you can go with here. Um, Lamont Wade had an incredible day. I almost want to give yes, it to he him. Did. Almost want to give it to him, but I'm not, which is maybe a little bit rude. Um, he led the team in tackles. He had the sack. Uh, he was just all over the place. He This is my runner-up for Lion, by the way. Uh, 11, 11 total tackles, four of them solo, one for sack, uh, one sack, one pass deflection. He had a really great game, and he's another one that we've hoped was going to put it together for a while and is starting to look that part. So shout out, Lamont Wade, you're an honorable, honorable mention this week. My Lion goes to a hot topic that we're going to talk about with the offense. It's Noah Kane. Okay. Two freshman running back, 12 carries, 105 yards, one touchdown. Um, he's, he's my lion for the sole reason that he, he woke the offense up. He woke the fans up in that second half after we were sputtering, after we were slowing down. It's true. He brought me back to life in a way that I needed, um, partially for my bets because I needed points, <laughs> but also just it, it was it was getting pretty concerning in that second half. And like I said, we'll talk about it in a minute here. Um, but the kid is just a hard-nosed runner, man. I mean, he was, he was ripping off those chunk play runs on that. There was one drive where it was just him, right? I mean, there was yeah. maybe a couple other plays, but it was him over and over and over, and he finally gets in for the touchdown. Um, this is going to continue to complicate that rotation, man. There's a lot of talk on Twitter after this game of, is he number one? Should he be number one? Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll get into that in a minute. But for this week, Noah Kane, you are my lion. All right, flip side. Uh, who is your lamb for this game? Um, hard to find one just because like no one really played that poorly. I think I gotta go with Jake Pinnegar. Uh, yeah. Missed field goal. You know, would would have had this cover if he hit it. Um, not wearing the white cleats either. Probably why he missed. I think I think there's truth. An in underwhelming that. day. I think there's truth in that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you on this one. I had the special teams as a whole. I think I think we just had a really bad day special yeah, teams wise. 
Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well when we get to our special team segment. Um, but I did point out Pinnaker as well. Um, but yeah, I think there's truth in that. Like people are, there's a lot of buzz on Twitter. Um, and by a lot of buzz, I mean my single tweet. <laughs> um, the game opens up with Jordan Stout just absolutely squibbing the opening kickoff. And the first thing that stood out to me, I look at his shoes and I see black. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Now, granted, his, his cleats may have been white and it might have been just a bunch of black tape. Still, not, not uniform. That's why you messed up. And then Pinnegar trots out there for, a, I don't know, what was it, a 30-something yarder? It wasn't very long. Um, and he shanks it. And what do you see? Black cleats. This is the generations of greatness. Wear the white cleats. You're faster. And did, you're did, Gillikin, uh, did Gillikin rock the white cleats? Yeah, he probably did. So that kind of debunks my theory. I don't remember if he did. I want to go back to this. I actually rewatched the game this morning as I was going through making a bunch of gifts. Check out our Twitter if you haven't seen them. Um, making gifts of like funny and cool moments. But uh, yeah, there's 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 some truth to that. Um, so yeah, special teams, uh, Pinnaker, you guys are the lamb for this week. Uh, no harm, no foul, because obviously it didn't really contribute to you know a loss, but did contribute to not covering. So a lot of people are going to be pissed about that one. So some harm and some foul. Some harm and some foul. All right, let's jump back into our game recap. You guys, you guys can rewind and fast forward, right? <laughs> so we talked about the defense. Let's flip over to the offense. Um, so like I said, there's, there's a lot to like. I mean, we opened up with four straight touchdowns on our first possessions. Like, it was looking really good until it wasn't. Um, so before we kind of go through all of it, what's your, what's your overall thoughts on the offense in this game? Um, you know, I was very annoyed during the game watching it. Uh, and obviously we looked great. We looked explosive at the beginning. Everything was working. Um, and then a couple guys, I, I think one guy went down and produced offense, and we got worse. Uh, I mean, on produced defense and yeah. offense started playing worse. I think they just stopped playing as aggressively, um, and we didn't really adjust to that. We kept playing an aggressive style, looking for those big chunk plays instead of taking what they were giving us. Uh, not really the best coaching strategy, but I, I don't know. Maybe our coaches were like, listen, we're up by enough. Let's just try to work out the things we know we're going to do during the season. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, and I, but, well, I, I think that's I think that's right though. It's like it's I, maybe not. I'm not necessarily agreeing with what everything you said, but I think I agree with the like. I don't know. It just felt so confusing because it it literally stopped like out of nowhere. Um, so let's talk about the good first, and then we'll get into that. Because like I said, I'm on I'm on my good vibes only train. Um, yeah. After the third right. game, I don't want to be super negative. Um, first half, like I said, first four possessions, touchdown on all four, a lot of big plays, um, which was great. Right, we've we've talked about how in the past sometimes we rely too much on the big play and too much on the home run, but you love to see this. So opening opening drive, uh, the touchdown to KJ, uh, where we were on the twenty yard line or something, beautifully thrown ball by Clifford, great route by KJ to shake, make enough separation, and it was perfect. It was it was it was thrown as he was making his cut, which I thought was awesome. The confidence in Cliff to put that ball up there and trust KJ to go get it, um, great way to open the open the game. Loved it. Uh, Dotson. John Dotson with a 76-yarder, 78-yard touchdown. Um, this play might be, this is probably my favorite play in the game um, for a couple of reasons. One, again, great route by Dotson to, to create that separation. They don't give you a great look on the broadcast, but you can tell he probably made a, made a nice cut there. Um, absolutely perfect pass from Clifford. Um, 
absolutely perfect. We've talked about how he's underthrown. We've talked about how he hasn't, you know, hasn't really stepped into his throws all the time. Uh, he stepped up into the pocket, delivers a bullet that allows Dotson to run in stride, and Dotson takes care of the rest, right? Just makes makes moves in open space and gets in for pay dirt. Um, that's like a perfect play, in my opinion. And yeah. <laughs> that's all you can say. I was waiting for maybe some commentary, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, the 48-yard reception to Nick Bowers, um, which was great play. Loved this play. It was a, it was a read option, uh, RPO kind of thing, where Bowers was the only, only guy on that side of the field. Uh, he sold the block so well that he was just going to be blocking for whichever run was going to happen. DB bites on that. He's wide open in the open field. Uh, not quite fast enough to get into the end zone. He gets he gets uh, tracked down, but 48 yards, and that sets up, I believe, a touchdown on that same drive. So, um, yeah, a lot of, lot of really good things that, that, you know, it just felt like we were meshing. We were clicking. It was looking smooth. Cliff was making good reads on the read options. There was one where he faked the handoff to KJ, and he took it and ran for, like, 12. I thought he gave it uh-huh. to KJ. It looked so smooth, and I was like, God damn it. He didn't fool the TV. Yeah, it was, like was going to be a loss of, like, six yards, and then he takes off more 12 yards down the field. So, like, things were just feeling really good. Um, and then the interception happens. So, like, anything on the, on the good that you want to talk about before I get to the interception? I'm rambling right now. Yeah, you, you've covered it pretty well. All right, so we get to the interception. Offensive line looked very good through the first four drives as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I will agree with that. In the beginning of the game, I have some concerns on them a little bit later. But in the beginning of the game, they looked, they looked good. Um, so the interception happens in the second quarter. Uh, I want to go on record saying this was definitely an underthrown ball. K.J. Yeah. Hamler was wide open beating his man. You throw that ball to the end zone, and it's a touchdown. The commentators started saying uh, that KJ didn't look in time, and that's his fault. People on Twitter were tweeting, man, KJ's got to turn around and try to make a play. My dude is running full speed. Like, you're not going to turn around and come back to a ball when you are in full stride down the middle of the field. It's an underthrow. Cliff knows that. Like, I, I, don't, think that's a, I don't think that's a problem inside the program. But, like, so many people were trying to put that on KJ, and that just pissed me off. No, I mean... Listen, like, should he turn around and look for the ball? Yes. But should Sean Clifford also make a better throw? More yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, it's I don't know, for me, it's like, I don't, I mean, take, I don't know, take the throw out of it. Like, I don't think KJ would be looking up at that point in the route anyway. Because, like, he's just creating the separation. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit late, but I don't know. I, that one just really frustrated me. But anyway, it was a deep shot down the field. I love the aggressiveness because, again, we had taken some shots already. We're keeping that up. Love, love, love the aggressiveness. It's just under throat. We can live with that. It sucks, but we can live with that. It happens. Then, next drive, we go and uh, miss the field goal, right? Um, that's, okay, again, kind of sucks. We can live with it, but things are starting to, you know, starting to fall off a little bit here. After that, though, it just seemed like all the wind had left our sails. Yeah. So we go into the – I think the field goes right before halftime. Uh, so we go into the half. We're up 28-7, right? Um, first half is still successful, right? You had an interception. You had a missed field goal. Who cares? That's a really solid first half of football. Coming out in the second half, five straight punts. 
I love, listen, Blake Gilkin, I love you as a person. I don't want to see you on my TV screen a whole lot on Saturdays. Like, yeah. If the less I see you, the better. Um, and we come out, we, we punt on five straight drives. So I think, um, you know, the, and we, we do have some Twitter questions and, and so, a lot of them are related to this. So I'm just going to interject them here rather than, you know, saving them for the later. Um, Mike at Penn State Forever says, what the hell was that offensive turd we decided to drop for two quarters? Very eloquently said, Mike. Uh, Scott, Scott SO21 says, why are so many fans discouraged when we easily won against Purdue? So you kind of both sides of the coin there. Um, and it was just a hot topic on Twitter. So we had uh, one I'm going to read out. Uh, this wasn't necessarily a question. But this is from uh, Wes Shaw. Doesn't actually follow us. So thanks for interacting anyway. Um, but I had the tweet kind of as this was happening, as we were slowing down, I tweeted out, feels like we're being super conservative right now on offense. Don't like it at all. Keep the pedal down. Um, Wes replies and says, y'all are crazy and super paranoid. I could be naive and way too optimistic, but it's pretty clear to me that our play calling is reflective of our opponent and we're not going to show our hand against teams with no chance of beating us. Maybe just my opinion, but I honestly feel like we do and we will see things differently in games that have a sliver of a chance losing. Uh, see Maryland and College Park in their Super Bowl. Our other four games this year are just different. Don't lose heart. So before I go into my rant, what's your what's your thought on that? Of the, you know, why did we drop this turd? Why are people overreacting? Is it an overreaction? What's what's your general thoughts on all of it? Um. Yes and no. Um. I, I don't think it was. This was a we're holding back our hand kind of thing. I think we just got in some kind of weird rhythm where uh, we weren't executing that well. Uh, we weren't. We weren't calling plays to suit what Purdue was giving us. Like we could have very easily just thrown six yard passes all game. Mm-hmm. Like and we didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we tried a little too hard to establish the run as well, and it didn't work out for us until Noah Kane had that great series. Uh, I, I think trying to establish the run got us into a hole for sure. Yeah. And then even when like the play calling was right, uh, sometimes we wouldn't execute. Like uh, we were in a third down in like six or something and called a screen pass and it actually worked. It was the perfect call. The D line rushed right past our O lineman, right past the running back. Uh, I forget who it was, but one of the the back it might have been Journey Brown. It might have, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Catches the ball, and there is just one guy in front of him, and two of our linemen run right past him, yep. and he makes the tackle, and then it, it's fourth down. Yep. <laughs> so it's like it was just frustrating to watch. Where I think we got kind of malaise out there, if you will. Yeah, I actually I was highlighting that play during my rewatch today, and I. I tweeted out only positive gifts today because I wanted to keep the good vibes. There's a lot of negative ones I could have to like pinpoint these things, but that was a perfect <clears> example because it was. It was a great play call, and I forget who. It might have been Gonzalez. Um, just like runs so far down the field like trying to be the lead blocker that he misses the first guy that comes in yeah. and makes the hit. Um, so to the original question of like, is this us not showing our hand? I, I hate that um, because, listen, you executed flawlessly in the first half and put up four touchdowns and four drives. It's not about opening the playbook and showing more of your offense. It's about continuing doing to that. execute what you're doing, right? Yeah. And I get it. You can't run the same thing all game and you have to make adjustments. But, like, if, if we were slow in the first half and then we opened up the playbook in the second half to create an offense, that's a different story. 
the offense was there. It's not showing your hand if you keep doing that. Like that kills me. Yeah. Um, and then the other thought of like, well, we just we don't do these things with teams that we can easily beat. Franklin loves running up the score. Like I don't, yeah. he'll never say it publicly, but he does. Like, and as he should. Like this is how this is how you get to be respected in college football. That's where the game is today. Yeah, you beat bad teams by a lot. That's what you do. Um, and it, on the other side of it, his mantra, his his like words to live by are treat every week the same. Every week is the same. Prepare the same way. Championship mentality. So if that's true, then you don't treat this any differently than you would an Ohio State game with the season on the line. And even if you don't believe that, if, even if you don't buy into that, because that is part of just his shtick, right? Of course, you treat games differently. Even if you don't buy into that, it just it doesn't make sense. Like this is this is a team that we're cruising on, and then we just go lifeless. Like being conservative is one thing. Being conservative in a game that you can easily win is having long, meticulous clock chewing drives. That may be a punch, maybe you get three, maybe a score here and there. It's controlling the game. We weren't it's doing not five punts in a row. Yeah, we were not doing that. So, um, couple of couple of series that I want to go through, and I'll, I'll try not to spend a shit ton of time on this but um re-watching the game i kind of paid more attention to this to like okay what what actually happened first series after halftime uh take a shot to dan Trezeno over the middle not the greatest pass um he misses doesn't catch it fine i like it we're, we're still good second play uh, his arm gets hit uh, that's when cliff's arms get hit the, the ball flies away okay now it's third and ten uh, and he gets sacked not a great start but three and outs happen it happens, right? And I'll come back to that sack in a minute because there's something I want to call out. But no problem. <clears throat> Second series, we have a fourth and one. We go for it and we convert. Okay, cool. Still love the aggressiveness. But then we fall into a three and out. Now, this is the one that I, I, I didn't love at all. So we had uh, – there actually was a shot to Jahan Dotson in the end zone on this one. Um, it, was, it was kind of like a jump ball. I couldn't really tell if, if it was overthrown, if it was misplaced. Um, but both him and the defender went and like jumped up, but just no one, no one even touched it. Um, does does make you miss the uh, you know Juwan Johnsons of the world or or the potential of Justin Shorter? Uh, Dotson's like five eleven, one seventy something. Uh, you know if Shorter's in there at six four to whatever he is, maybe he has a shot at that. Um, but anyway, so we, we 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 get to we get to fourth down there and we punt from the thirty six, which. I I understand some of the reasoning. Like it would have been a that's a what, a fifty two yarder, fifty three yarder. So it's a long field goal. Stout has not looked amazing on his kickoffs. You're not gonna put Pinnegar in there after he's missed a short one. Maybe you don't want to try it. Okay, whatever. But we punt from the thirty six and Blake Gilligan again hasn't hasn't been amazing uh recently. Kicks it into the end zone, it's a touchback. So now you just kind of you gave your offense this letdown again. You net a 16 yard difference. Why not try the field goal there? Why yeah, I mean we've got the guy for the over 50 yard field goals. Yeah. Like that's his. That's his thing. And I know he missed one. Uh, what was it last week or whatever? But like in my mind, there offense is sputtering. You need some life. Go for that field goal one because if you get it, cool. Energy's back up. We have some momentum. If you miss it. It's a 50-yarder. People are probably okay with it. And your defense is playing lights out. Who cares if they're starting in their own 36? That's a good kickoff return. 
Like, yeah. there's no difference between that and the 20s. That pissed me off. Um, then there's a drive towards the end of the third quarter, and this is the last one. I'm not going to recap every single drive, I promise. Uh, there's a drive towards the end of the third quarter. There's a nice third down conversion to uh, Jahan. It was like a seven-yard slant uh, over the middle. Nice third down conversion. Loved it. Then after that, there's a good completion to KJ in space for like 12 yards. Okay, we're moving. We're, we're sustaining. Things are maybe turning up a little bit. Then Cliff pulls it and runs for like two or three yards, which wasn't a great read, but whatever. Um, then we do that RPO like screen thing. So he like he fakes he fakes the handoff, starts to run with it himself, and then throws to KJ like behind the line of scrimmage. It was a weird play in that situation. Went for one yard maybe nowhere. Uh, and then the next play, he gets hurried and tries that like little shovel pass to to I think it was Ricky. So it's like I, it just felt like it felt like we got conservative is not even the right word. It felt like we just got like inept. Like we got to a point where we couldn't do things. Again, conservative is you take what they give you. You have those little dinks and dunks of six and seven yards rather than the behind the line of scrimmage ones, and it just it was frustrating. So. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep dwelling on this one, but that that I think is is the real like narrative here. It's not that we got conservative and we didn't we didn't care about beating Purdue by a lot. It's we stopped playing the way we were. We stopped executing, and it just happened. Yeah, and one thing I will say is I don't think this is anything to get too worried over. It's not uncommon. Like offenses and defenses get in a groove sometimes. Yeah. Purdue's defense was grooving. Our offense was not for a little bit and that those things just happen sometimes during football games like if you break down the box score quarter by quarter we went 21 7 0 and 7 mm-hmm. and we were freaking out about how like much we sputtered throughout the game and when i say me i mean a lot of penn state fans yes yeah. uh but then you look at ohio state versus michigan state they won 34 to 10 it's been being considered by everyone to be like a very quality victory ohio state dominates wire to wire yeah I mean, granted, Michigan State's a much better team, but you look at Ohio State's box score, it's 3, 24, 0, and 7. It's like almost identical. Yeah. But no one is, like, no one nationally, maybe their fans are freaking out too, like we are, but you don't see, like, on a national level, any press being like, oh, why did Ohio State's offense disappear after the second quarter? Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I didn't, I didn't look at that at all. Huh. I think maybe the it's, only... It's not that weird. No, it's not that weird. I think maybe the only thing I'd I'd want to look at more is like, did they pull their starters at some point? Or yeah, I don't know. But you know what? I'm gonna be positive. I like your spin. I like that. Good guys, things are good. You know what I'm gonna do right now? I'm gonna do something on the fly. I had a whole segment on the concerns on the O line and specific plays that I hated. I'm gonna skip it. I'm gonna just skip it. Positive skip it. vibes only. So speaking about positive vibes, let's move on to some of the fun here. Noah Kane had a huge day we've talked about him a bit um something that i thought was amazing uh penn state their actual like uh official football twitter account and instagram account after every game they have a video with um typically like one or two players and the and the context is always the same the player like thanks the fans for coming out appreciate it great best fans in the world can't wait for you guys to be here next week it's like it's a cool like marketing tool um and they typically pick a player who had a really good game so Noah's doing it this time, and uh, what I've learned from reading, you know, some articles about him and, and you know some different quotes from people is that he's like very laid back and mild mannered, um, as opposed to like Journey and Ricky, who are a little bit more like energetic, goofy, and funny. 
so he's doing the thing and he's saying yeah thanks Penn State fans great fans like can't wait for y'all to come out to Iowa <laughs> and Journey Brown and Devin Ford are there like pretending to interview him with microphones like come on come on do it again all right what do you think about your first hundred yard game and just like having fun with him and I love that camaraderie like we talk about it yeah. I think we make a big bigger deal out of who's the number one back than they do and I think like I think we it's, definitely it's, do. I think it's easy for it's easy for them to like buy into the tagline of like, "Yep, we're all here to compete. We're all here to eat. Like things are good." But maybe like underneath the skin, like one, you know, maybe not feel that way. But like you see this kind of stuff, and it does look like they're just having a good time. They're loving the opportunities that they're getting, and they're taking advantage of them. So um, I think you know, obviously we'll get to Ricky Slade. We have a question about him. I think he's starting to look more and more like the odd man out a little bit. Um, but Noah had a great day. Devin Ford looked good on some of his runs. Journey continues to do what he does. Like, I love this rotation, man. I really do. Yeah, I, I do think we make a bigger deal out of it, like, the more I look at it. Uh, mostly because we all kind of love these guys and we want them to put up these monster stats. But I honestly, I think what you're seeing is the coaching staff's just going to ride the hot hand, whoever's kind of feeling it that day. And it actually has worked a little better than I think we've given them credit for. Like, we've seen Journey have a good game. We've seen them ride. Devin Ford have some, you know, some good games. And this time it was Noah Kane's turn. And, I mean, like, the rushing yards as a team aren't bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so maybe how I we... can't say it's not working. Right. And maybe that's how we have to look at it going forward is, like, looking at the total rushing yards rather than the yeah. individuals. Because um, there, there have been some good individual performances, like you mentioned. So Noah went over 100 this game. Journey had his game over 100 when he had, what was the Maryland game where he had the 80-yard run or something? Yeah. Uh, Devin Ford had his big 80-something-yard run. So like we, we've seen some of the individual stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I'm excited. Let's jump to that Twitter question. And so I think we're going to see Ricky Slade have a big game eventually. I do, too. Um, so let's go to that. Uh, we have a question. Uh, CJ, CJ Goon, CJ Scalzetti. Shout out, CJ. Says, don't think we go away from the rotation, but odds you think Kane finishes with most touches next week? What do you think? Um, I'm probably not high. I yeah. think they'll they'll start it with the ro- same rotation, the journey of Ricky in first, and then whoever just seems to be in a groove is gonna get the ball more. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know if I I don't know if I see Franklin putting him number one uh, on the depth like Kane number one on the depth chart, uh, just because true freshman. Going into Kinnick night game, like that's a lot of pressure. That might be that might be one where he like for Noah's own good makes him the two behind Journey or something like that, and allows him to play a whole lot, but like maybe doesn't give him the quote unquote starter. Um, but yeah, I think Iowa's going to be interesting too because um, they do have a good defense. Kinnick is electric at night. That one, I, I do think you're just going to have to go with game script. Like you're going to have to you're going to have to see who's who is the hot hand, and you're also going to have to see, like, how is the game playing out, and do you need, you know, a more specific skill set from one or the other. So I don't know if he has the most touches, honestly. Um, I think I think if we – I think any of us trying to guess who's going to have the most touches at this point is just a waste of time. Um, I think the other thing to consider is that we're kind of a – especially the beginning of games, like before we've taken big leads, we're a pass-heavy offense. We just yeah. are. And the beginning of games, before we've taken big leads – ours when Ricky and Journey are in the game. And then later in the game, when we're running the ball more because we're up by a large amount, yeah. that tends to be when Nevin, uh, Devin and Noah are in the game. I think that's just kind of how it's worked out so far. 
But I think in closer games with like Iowa's, Michigan's, Michigan State's, Ohio State's, you'll see like Ricky and Noah, uh, Ricky and Journey getting more carries, playing deeper into the game. Yeah, and there's something to be said for the experience level there, right? It's tough to be a true freshman in a big time game like that. Like you don't know how yeah. they're going to perform. I mean, shit. It happened. Saquon was electric, right, and came to life, um, you know, in certain situations. But not everyone is Saquon Barkley. So um, nobody other, is Saquon Barkley. <laughs> very true. Uh, one other Twitter question here about the running backs. This one comes from Sweens at Sween Eggs and Ham. Incredible Twitter handle, Good by name. the way. Uh, we've had questions from Sweens before. I haven't seen that handle, so maybe they changed it. I don't know. Incredible. Uh, part of his question is: Will they just make Slade a slot wide receiver at this point? Doubt it. I don't see it, man. It's it's funny how like in this in this day and age of football, I think because running backs have become so prevalent in the passing game, that seems to be like an actual option. Like, I mean, you 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 see you saw Saquon line up in the slot, you saw Miles line up in the slot in the NFL. You see Le'Veon Bell line line up in the slot. Like it happens. I think maybe in packages you see him do that full time. Yeah, but not full time. No I, I I just don't see that. Um, I do think we're going to have an interesting question, and we'll talk about this later in the year. I think it's too early for now, but I think we'll have an interesting question about, like, will Ricky or any of these guys potentially transfer because of the the grouping? Um, but that's a question for a much later time. We're talking about positive things right now. Positive. Um, oh, one other positive that I almost forgot. Uh, I think it was Roar Lions Roar on Twitter, which is a, a Penn State blog. Um, they have something that is... An incredible saying that I'm I'm upset I didn't think of myself. Um, so everyone knows uh, the Lawn Boys at this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, now that I think about it too, I don't think we saw um, I don't think we saw the Lawn Boys chain this week. It didn't make it on the broadcast, at least. It didn't make it on the TV, but I'm sure I'm they sure were it was there. Listen, guys, don't freak out. It's still there. Um, when Clifford had his rushing touchdown uh, on that little like uh, fake jump pass, little Tim Tebow s. They tweeted out, Sean Boys. <laughs> like Lawn Boys, because his name is Sean. I love I like it. it. I love it. Uh, so shout out to them. It's funnier to me than it should be, but I just loved it for some reason. Um, and then the last thing on the offense, uh, another fun fact from Tyler Donahue at 24-7 Sports. Uh, Penn State offense has scored 30 touchdowns through five games. Who has scored these touchdowns? He breaks it down by classes, seniors, one touchdown. Juniors, one touchdown. Sophomores, 18 touchdowns. And freshmen, 10 touchdowns. Damn. The youth movement is real. The it youth is, movement man. is real. We talk about who's, who's the lone senior? I don't know. I'm trying to think about it. Um, I didn't look up the stats. I probably should have. Uh, Chisena? Did he have a touchdown? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to think about that at some point. Um, but yeah, I think all in all, we're, we're kind of rambling at this point. But offense, there's a lot to love about that game. Sure, you want to see a better second half, and I think that I think they'll take that very seriously in the week prep and and film study and all of that. So I'm not not worried about it at all. All right, let's move to special teams. Um, we'll get a little bit negative again here, and then finish off with some positives. Probably probably our worst special teams game of the year. Um, it just wasn't pretty. Pinnegar uh, had the missed field goal. Stout just looked off uh, in general. Punt return was weird. Um, did you notice or did, did you did this stand out to you at all about um, punt returns? 
like how how the game progressed with them. I mean, it was one really good one, but then it just kept getting worse and worse. Yes, a hundred percent. So it was the the first two I think were good. Um, yeah, the first two were decent. Um, the one where he danced around and and made the run. Uh, there was one where he danced too much and got stopped. There was one where he uh, ran full speed and tried to catch it in stride and fumbled it. Um, that one was scary to me because that one of two things happens on that play if he catches it full speed and stride. One, takes it to the house because he's just blowing by everyone. Two, he gets absolutely rocked. And that's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Um, so. And then the, uh, was it Ellis Brooks with the? Sutherland. Sutherland. So um, the next one is the Sutherland bounce. So it's, it's uh, the ball is in the air. Sutherland is, is retreating to block for KJ and weirdest thing it bounces off of his knee and Purdue recovers I don't I mean it's hard to tell on the TV because you can't hear them but like KJ needs to be screaming on that one that he's not going to make a play he's not going to catch it until you know cancel cancel fire fire whatever the word is like get out of the way like he needs to direct that traffic a little better like he pointed to it but it was like already hitting him so (laughs) need a little bit more there Um, but after that it kind of like it kind of got weird. So, like, that was all before the half. Uh, the the Sutherland bounces the fifth one. The sixth one, uh, he fair catches it, but lets it bounce. So, like, he fair catches it, and it bounces, like, right in front of him, and it goes out of bounds. That was kind of weird. Uh, then he catches one. neck, And then another one, catchable, but lets it bounce in front of him. And then the ninth one, yes, they had nine punts. Ninth one, same thing. He lets it bounce, but then picks it up and tries to run with it and gets hit. So it just like it almost seemed like he was like scared after that, uh, and I know KJ Hamler's scared of nothing, so that's not a personal attack. <laughs> but it almost seemed like he was like a little bit skittish after that one that bounced off of uh, off off of Sutherland. So like, I'm not concerned, but like, I don't know. The more and more I see it, and I've said this before, I I don't love KJ as our punt returner just because like, the risk reward is so. I, I every time he's back there and dancing around, I'm like I'm worried that he's going to get hurt. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't personally love it. Yeah, I mean, I think with KJ, it's a you take the good with the bad kind of thing. He's so explosive, but he's going to make plays where he dances around and it doesn't work sometimes. But the positive is so good that you're willing to willing to take the negative. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather him stick with kick returns and put someone else back in there and punt return here nor there. Um, the other weird thing was when we punted once and it hit uh, Chizena in the helmet, and they called a penalty on that. Did you did you see that penalty? Yeah, it was a bad penalty. Really bad penalty, right? Um, yeah, because it's not like he was in the kicker's face, the returner's face, or anything. Yeah, it was because like yeah, he as soon as he saw him call for the fair catch, he stopped and gave him room, and it just happened to hit him in the head. So like, yeah, for me, it's just a weird game with punting. Um, I'm not super concerned about it. But Gilligan has not looked great. Uh, he his average in this game was thirty nine point two. His first one was, was great, fifty one yards, really great punt. Um, but his his season average is right around forty. Um, most of the websites that have like stat rankings are weird. Like they have different numbers for some reason. But he's like he's in the lower echelon. He's ranked somewhere around like a hundredth in the country out of punters for average. Um, yeah, he was a weapon at one point. Um, a couple years ago, he was incredible. Um, this is one of, uh, another Twitter question from CJ Scalzetti. He said, what is up with Gilligan? Hate to say it, but he has regressed. He has. 
Yeah, I, he didn't look great last season either. No, no, it was it was two years ago that we that he was really good, um, really really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not a punting expert, but hopefully, hopefully he turns it around a little bit. Um, that's all I have on special teams. I don't want to be too negative. Anything else you got on the special teams? No, I think you covered it. This is a boring episode. Um, I'm sorry, y'all. This is. Uh, I think it's a great episode. I think we're doing. I appreciate you. No, I just. I think this is like a really straightforward game. It's like it happened. We know what's good. We know what's bad. There's not a ton to dissect. Um, but let's finish up with some Twitter questions, some things that we haven't hit on, and then uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, a couple more from CJ. CJ says, "I'm high on this D, but do you see any of our next three opponents? So that's uh, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State. Do you see any of our next three opponents?" able to get more than 20 against us? Hmm. Iowa, Michigan State, Michigan? Yep. Uh, none of their offenses have been particularly electric. I think if anyone does it, it's Iowa. See, that's interesting. I was actually going to say if anyone does it, it's going to be Michigan. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. We're at home, and their offense has looked lackluster. Oh, I don't. I don't like. I don't think it's gonna happen. But I think it would just be like that weird. You wouldn't expect it because it is home. It is the wideout. It's exciting. Michigan is looking like crap this year. And then wait, what? Wait, they scored. They scored twenty four on us. Like we won forty five yeah. twenty four. But what? Um, I don't I'm know not saying it won't happen. But yeah. I don't think any of those teams put up twenty points against us. Yeah, Iowa. I have zero faith in because Nate Stanley is bozo. <laughs> And I, I say these kind of things every year. I said it about Brian Lewerke last year, and then Michigan State beat us. Um, but no, Michigan State, um, I mean, they're not ranked. They, they've lost two games already. They're going to lose again this week to Wisconsin, I imagine. Um, I'm not worried about them. Uh, Iowa, it's – Iowa's going to be – I will never actually bet the under, but this is what Iowa does. Like, that's why Michigan was 10-3. Like, it's, it's going to be a lower-scoring affair. Um if anyone does it for me, I think maybe Michigan, but I just because I think that would be weird. Uh, last one from CJ. Uh, think we need shorter back soon. Need another wide receiver to step up behind KJ and Jahan. Also, this game could have been 38-0 at half if Clifford did not underthrow KJ and Stout hits that field goal. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, all valid points. I uh, think we need shorter back soon. Like, yes, of course we'd love to have Justin shorter. Um, the guy is, is you know, Plagued by injuries, I hate the word injury prone. Um, I think he's just—I think he's just getting unlucky. Um, that hit to him last week. Uh, yeah, and that's going to injure most people. Yeah, exactly. So, like, yes, I'd love to have him back soon. I don't think there's anything that we can do to expedite that process, or the team can do. Um, but honestly, I was thinking about this a little bit as I was looking around the league to some of our uh, transfers. Uh, Juwan Johnson, I think, finally suited up for Oregon, but didn't see him on a stat sheet. Like, almost kind of makes me wonder as we look at our wide receiver room where. You know, we expected to have maybe all of this competition, and there was no room for a guy like Juwan Johnson. That's why he transferred. Wouldn't mind having him right now. <laughs> wouldn't yeah. mind it if he's, you know, if he's healthy and contributing. Wouldn't mind it, even with all the drops. I don't care. Um, but yeah, hopefully, shoulders back soon. Obviously, like I said, we're we won't hear anything on that. Um, you know, until until he's ready to go. And the last question here from Sweens, Sween Eggs and Ham. <laughs> Great name. Uh, is Owe earning himself more rotation at defensive end? Um, probably, but I think it's just it's tough to get in there with Shaka and Yito playing so well. You know, you're yeah, gonna see limited action when those are your two guys. Yeah, I, I think he is though. I think I think um, I think he's playing. He's he's a guy who 
uh, his his mantra or his story coming in was he's got all the tools. He's super athletic. I think he had only been playing football for like a couple of years, um, something like something like that, uh, and he's just putting it all together. I think he's looking like a really, really good football player. Um, and I think with the amount of rotation that we're doing in some of these different lineups and different looks, um, you know, that look where you slide Yitor in, OA is that guy. He, I think he is that third guy. Um, I, did we see Shane Simmons in this game? Is he hurt? I don't know. I don't, I don't, he wasn't on the stat sheet, I don't think. Um, but he was a guy who was getting a lot of, uh, a lot of praise in there. Um, you know who they love is the true freshman, uh, Adisa Isaac. I feel like I see him in there a lot. Uh, and he's another one who kind of fits that mold of like super, super talented, get him the reps and, and, you know, he'll be, he'll be a, a star at the end. Um, Shane Simmons did have one tackle. So yeah, he was in there, but yeah, I think, I, I think to your point, there's, there's a lot of talent, a lot of mouths to feed. Um, and they do a great job of it, but carving out playing time as the end is a little bit different because yeah, those starters are stars. All right. I think that's it for this game. Um, all in all, it's a win. It's a good win. We're happy. We're 5-0. and oh. We're undefeated. We're number 10 in the country. Things are good, Pat. Oh, things are good. Things are good. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for writing in as always. Oh, big thank you to uh, last week. We kind of casually, kind of actually were asking you guys to leave some iTunes reviews. We got two reviews. Five-star reviews. Shout out to Fing, Fingfordo. And Jferg418, Fingfordo, said this this pod is A1 Steak Sauce. Love the How I Met Your Mother reference. Um, Gave us some positive feedback and actually uh, some some tips on things that they would like to hear more of, some some recruiting stuff that they want to hear. So we will definitely get into that. And then Jferg said, all around great podcast, uh, has been listening since the spring and actually went back to listen to commentary on last season. Now looks forward to the new episode. So... That is so fucking cool. Like that mean that means so much to me that people actually listen, actually care. So we say this at the end of every episode, but thank you guys. We 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 do this for fun, but we we love that y'all are invested in it. Pat. Yeah, thank you guys so much. That's awesome. Um, all right. Any last words before we wrap up this lovely hungover Sunday scaries episode of the Purdue recap? Uh, yeah, you know what? I uh, I like where Penn State is at right now. Five and zero, putting up big points. The defense has been shut down. I mean, like you, you can't crown us Big Ten champs yet, but I am going to. Damn, bold <laughs> prediction. It is happening <laughs> at ten oh nine on a Saturday on a Sunday night. Bold, bold prediction. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the things are we're, we're top five uh, in scoring offense and scoring defense. I believe uh, there there was a there was a stat they put on the the game in the Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State game that Ohio State is the only team in the top four in both. It's like, motherfucker, we're right there. We are right yeah. there. Uh, so things are good. We're going into Iowa uh, next week. Uh, the following week, oh, this could have been in a quick hitter, the following week, Whiteout, uh, did you see Chris Fowler tweeted that they're going to be there? Chris Fowler, who does college game day. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so they somebody somebody, he said something about Penn State and somebody commented like, all about Iowa, got to be there. And he replied, like, well, what about the next weekend for the whiteout? We'll be there. So I don't know if that's game day. I don't know if that means it's a evening kick. Chris Fowler, you're being cryptic on me. <laughs> so, I got really confused when you said Chris Fowler. I was thinking of uh, Chris Fallows, who does Air Jaws for Shark Week. No idea who that is, but I can see how you'd be confused. <laughs> okay, we are but why is the guy there. from Shark Week? 
Wow. <laughs> He's from South Africa. <laughs> and with that, we will let you all go. Thank you guys for writing in. Thank you for the reviews. Keep the engagement coming. We love hearing from you guys on Twitter. All of our focus is now on Iowa, 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 Iowa. We are.